What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Everybody, it is Thursday, June 29th, 2023. It is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hello, everybody. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining us on another Thursday. We are in the summer. It's the second to last day of June. If you're in the United States, we are heading into 4th of July week, which is always a lot of fun. And we have mixed martial arts to talk about. We're still kind of dealing with some of the fallout of this past weekend. Ilya Tapori's incredible performance, Macy Barber's incredible performance, everything that happened with the PFL. Tons of, and I'm, don't know, I don't know if stunned is the right answer, but tons of talk about Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg fighting and we got a UFC card on Saturday. We're on the road to international fight week and two incredible title fights between Volkanovsky and Yair Rodriguez and Brandon Moreno, Alexander Pantoja. That card's going to be real good. We do have to get through Saturday's fight night card headlined by Sean Strickland and Abus Magomedov. Still don't know why that fight's happening. I mean, I get it. Kind of, but why it's headlining a UFC event in the year of our Lord 2023, and it's not like a short notice decision. This is one that's been in the works for a while. It was announced a long time ago. Still don't really get it, but there are fights. There are 12 of them, I believe. Let me just make sure I have my my facts straight here. 
yeah, nice tight 12 fights, 4 p.m. prelims, 7 p.m. Eastern main card. Can't really complain about that. Kevin Lee is a really interesting story. Him coming back, the featured prelim against Renat Fakhradinov. He, to me, is the most interesting story of this entire card. What's he going to do? What's he going to look like? It's the UFC return. A lot of people kind of question the UFC bringing Kevin Lee back so quickly. But he's going to get his chance to, to prove some people wrong. He had a media day yesterday that got a lot of attention. Not really pleased. He's fighting in the hallowed halls of the UFC Apex. But we'll see how he does. And let's see what you all have to speak about. We have a lot of you waiting. So let's get after it. I'm eeny, meeny, mining this. And... Dylan gets the first word today. What's up, Dylan? You're muted right now. Dylan. All right. He will not get the first word today. Uh, let's go to Noah. Apparently, Noah's going to get the first word today. What's up, Noah? Hello, Mike. Good. How are you? Oh, good. I'm curious, why do you think, I, I think you, I've heard you mention it before, but I'm curious, why do you think Paulo Costa is never uh, considered for the title shot in Perth? Or why do you think he's never considered, I guess, for any big middleweight opportunities? I know he has, like, some problems with the UFC, and I've heard you talk about it before, but just curious your thoughts on that, wondering what you think about that. Thanks. Well, it's a couple of things. One, you mentioned it the back and forth of the UFC. No one knows what the hell is going on with this guy. He's talked about wanting a new contract to the UFC. He was, remember, he was booked to fight Robert Whitaker on that card in February, and that fight never happened, and he felt like he didn't get paid enough, so Whitaker is now moving to July to fight DDP. They have Costa slated to fight Ikram Alaskarov right now, which to me is, like, wildly intriguing matchmaking, Matchmaking that doesn't make a ton of sense, but I'm kind of here for it. I don't know, man. To me, it seemed like the no-brainer fight to make for Paulo Costa was him and Hamzat. Doing that in Abu Dhabi in October, like that just seemed like easy money. Those two guys have history. There's videos of them having confrontations, you know, verbal and otherwise getting broken up in Vegas. Like it just seemed like that was kind of the no-brainer fight to make. We don't even know what the hell is going on with Hamzat. And apparently Costa's going to fight Alaskarov. I, I, again, that's one of those fights that I'll believe it when I see it. And then on top of that, the last time Paul Costa got a title shot, he got run over by Israel Adesanya. So it's one of those things where Costa's a name. He draws a lot of intrigue. But he hasn't his, – his, his win, his last win was against Luke Rockhold, who retired. And that was a fun fight, a fight that probably doesn't get enough credit for the fight of the year conversation last year. But I, I think he needs to get a win. I mean, if he beats Ikram Alaskarov and they want to slot him in there, cool. But again, that's that's a super quick turnaround. So we're going to get some answers over the next couple of weeks. I mean, if Sean Strickland beats Abus Magomedov, it doesn't take a lot of damage. I could certainly see the UFC giving him a shot. Then there's Whitaker DDP, which I still don't know why it's happening. Middleweight's kind of weird right now. But it's still interesting because we continue to get new faces and new contenders climbing the ranks. We've seen what DDP's been able to do. Brandon Allen's looked incredible. 
Apparently, he told Brett Okamoto that immediately after his win, they offered him a main event slot against Roman DeLize in September, and he said no. And that created quite a debate on social media yesterday because Roman's ranked higher in the UFC rankings. But Brendan Allen has said it himself. He told me on Saturday after his win, the UFC rankings, in his mind, don't mean anything, and he's not wrong. So he's just like, all right, I'm going to wait and see if I can get something else. DDP loses to Whitaker, which I think a lot of people think he will. He could uh, get that DDP fight. I don't know. I even asked Brennan on Saturday, like, because of the timelines and timing being everything, like, do you think you're in play for that title shot? Because right now, there's nobody else. There's nobody else right now. So I don't know what's going to happen with this. I am incredibly intrigued to see what this what the decision is and how this all plays out but apparently that sydney card's still going to remain a pay-per-view dana white made announcements yesterday he already we already confirmed the valentina shevchenko rematch against alexa grasso for the title but then he announced shafka rachmana versus kevin gaslam for that september 16th mexican independence day card so that's gonna be a fight night card so it's not gonna be a pay-per-view so it appears that Izzy's still going to fight on that card, and now it's just trying to figure out who. But I don't think Koss is going to be the guy unless he gets another win and he could turn around real quick because that fight was not close without Asadia. Dylan, do we have you now? Yeah, hey, I'm really sorry about that, Mike. Uh, All good, man. Um, I had a kind of a random question. Like Saturday, I noticed after Brendan Allen won, the first thing he did was shout out like stake.com, which I imagine is like a direct competitor to DraftKings. Do you think that like rubs higher ups at the UFC the wrong way when fighters shout out like sponsors like that right after the win? It's just something I was thinking about. I mean, there is there there was there's been a few of those things where like a whole like group of fighters after they won like all shouted out the same sponsor. There is some crypto company, Marshall something. I don't remember what it is now, but I remember they were all doing that. Stake.com seems to be a pretty popular one right now. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There were even fighters um, at the press conference who would finish up their press conference and they would, like, leave the the podium and then they'd run back and be like, by the way, I want to thank Stake.com for – Whatever. And most people like already turned off their cameras at that point. So didn't really get across, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's that big of an issue. Maybe they got permission, but it seems like when there's one sponsor, they usually will sponsor a whole bunch of fighters on a card and we'll hear like seven or eight winners all shout out the same sponsor. So if we don't hear that, maybe the UFC says something, but it doesn't seem to be, too big of an issue right now but i think maybe in the ufc's eyes stake is like bellator and DraftKings is like the ufc where DraftKings ain't losing sleep over a stake i don't know but yeah that's something i thought about as well but it doesn't seem to be too big of an issue zach hello hey mike how are you doing today good how are you um so Two things. Uh, first, uh, in a couple weeks, uh, exciting welterweight fight between JDM and Sean Brady. A lot of exciting people and upcomers are now in welterweight. The question there is, though, I think JDM has become big fan favorite, someone I personally like watching. But I'm more actually curious about 
the Sean Brady side. It seems like he was kind of almost like a JDM before JDM in the sense like he had the hype until he lost to Bilal. And as we see, Bilal's now right at the contending spot. So are we underestimating, do you think, Sean Brady heading into this one? He's kind of almost a two-to-one dog, looks like. So uh, that would be uh, interesting to see. And the other one, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. I know a couple weeks ago we talked about, you know, PFL, you know, winning the week because they had John Jones and Francis stare off in a fight that I think a lot of people, I don't think myself, would also say that probably was very, very unlikely to happen in the future. Um, and Francis, congratulations on the new home. It's great. But do you think when it comes around in 2024 for him to fight and it happens, I know this is a little early, a little too early probably even to predict, but that the MMA community becomes very underwhelmed by the what we get. And like I said, it might be too early, but there's a chance where he fights some of these guys. They're not the biggest names. And it's like, well, there you go. We expected him to win by first round knockout and that's it. Um, just your thoughts, Mike. Have a great day. Thanks, man. Which, by the way, if they did do that, I would be totally okay with that. I would be totally okay with that. I'd be okay with just Francis going out there and melting somebody. I don't think that's what they're going to do, but I would not have an issue if that's what they did. Just kind of showcase him. We see it in boxing. We sometimes see it in MMA. You throw a dude who's been out for a while. He's your big signee. Let's get him over. Just throw him in there. Somebody with the name, but somebody is going to be a heavy favorite over, and he goes over and just just knocks him out. I just don't know who they're going to bring. Like, the John Jones fight just – that face-off just was huge. It was the big moment of the weekend. So if you want to talk about, like, post-event buzz, then, yeah, I think PFL won that weekend. But the UFC wins every weekend, so they didn't lose probably any sleep over that because that fight's not happening, even though it could happen. If ESPN got everybody in a room and was like, hey, why don't we just do this? Like, we'll just do a three-fight card, and that could be the main event. Like, we'll just do that. But I don't think the UFC is going to do that. I definitely don't think so. But PFL's in a, in a weird spot right now. That's for sure. Coming out of this past weekend and everything that happened, we're going to talk more about that on BTL today. We got Jed back on the show, which I'm pretty excited about him and New York Rick getting after it. So the takes will be very spicy and there will be no gray area on the show at all. So it'll be a a very interesting time. It'll be a very interesting time. I have to be honest. I forgot your other question, but I'm sure I'm going to hear it. So I'm sure I'm going to remember. It's just going to pop into my brain. CV. Hello, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. Um, just one quick thing for me. So we got uh, Rachmanov and Gaston announced last night. Would it be ridiculous to say that if Kelvin pulls off the upset, that he'd, he'd be one win away from fighting for the welterweight belt? Thanks. Mm, would it be ridiculous to say? Mm, yeah, kind of. I don't think he'd be a win away. He'd probably, I mean, that, that division is kind of a mess right now because Leon ha- doesn't even have his fight with Colby booked. We got Bilal. Usman's still there. We got guys on the come up like Ian Gary, Jack Del Maddalena. Hey, there we go. I remember. We'll talk, I'll talk about Jack Del Maddalena, Sean Brady fight in a moment. But there's guys coming up and beating Shafka would be huge. I just don't know. 
like beating Hamzat means more than beating Shafka right now, if that makes sense. Like Shafka, I think hardcore fans understand how good this dude is. And he's got future champion written all over him. And that fight with Jeff Neal was super fun. It's one of the three best fights of the year so far, in my opinion. And, but Shafkat's just not a star right now. Hamzad is a star. So while Gaslam will get like the hardcore, that a boy, I just don't know how much that translates into the casual audience having a need for Kelvin Gaslam to fight for the title. Be a huge win. I think it's a fun fight. And to me, this is the only fight to make. I talked about this last week. This was the fight to make. Because Shafkat's not, not getting Bilal Muhammad right now. Why would Bilal take that fight? It makes no sense. Especially with where this division is right now. We don't know what's going on with Connor or we don't know what's going on with Hamzat. That if there's anybody else for him to fight, Calvin going back to 170, that was the one to make. So this is this is tremendous matchmaking. I love it. Makes all the sense of the world. As far as JDM and, and Brady goes, yeah, JDM is getting over like Rover. That performance he had in his last fight was was great. And Sean Brady's coming off that loss to Bilal Muhammad, and most people thought Brady was going to win that fight. Cosby, I feel like, to me, this that was the Bilal Muhammad like, breakout performance. That was the, all right, we got something with this guy. This guy is going to give competitive fights to everybody in the top five. That was my biggest takeaway. But in a lot of people's eyes, which I found really interesting, because I even got a lot of DMs about this, eh, I guess Sean Brady wasn't as good as we thought he was. And I don't know. People were very high on Sean Brady. I mean, there were people asking BTL questions about who's going to fight for a title first, Sean Brady or Sean O'Malley. Like, that's how high people were on Sean Brady. So this is a, this is a, a very interesting fight. This is a big one for Sean Brady because him losing two in a row is tough. I, I like the way he handled it. Didn't have a lot of didn't have any excuses. Bilal was the better man. He felt felt like getting that first L took a bit of weight off of his shoulders. So I'm curious to see how freeing that was for him. He said one of the things he wanted to do is he wanted to be able to travel to different gyms. I'm not sure he's, he, he's been able to do that. Usually I talk to Sean a lot during his camps. And I haven't really spoken to him that much. Maybe I'll reach out and see what he's up to. Um, maybe I'll try to get some time with him before this fight. But I, that's a good one. This is a – International Fight Week is not the most star-studded lineup, 290. But there's some really good fights on this one. Some just under-the-radar sneaky fights that people aren't even talking about, and that's one of them. That's really good matchmaking. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. 
and new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Tristan, hello. Hi, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, good. Um, I do want to talk about, because I um, just pivot uh, just uh, what you guys were talking about with Shafkot versus Kevin Gaslam. I remember on Nando, I said I wanted him to fight RDA, and you were like, ah, I don't really love that pick. But the reason why I wanted uh Shavka is to build that resume the resume when you build the resume you, it'll bring so much fanfare for you and people won't really be able to deny that you deserve the title shot because we all because look how excited we get when we talk about certain fighters that you look at the resume you're like yo he fought that dude oh my god he fought this guy so when you look at Charles Oliveira when you look at um other fighters like Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, when we look at RDA, when we look at Kevin Gaslam, and we look at their resume, we're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe he fought that guy. And we just like, yo, man, he fought some dudes, man. And that's what, that was my whole vision about um, Shafka. You know, he wanted to fight Michelle Pierre, you know, fight uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, fight these guys. So once he gets to the title, it's more deserving because you're like, yo, he bought, he fought the, he fought killers. And, and that was my whole thing about it. And this is why I love this fight. You know, if it wasn't RDA, this is the next best thing. I didn't know Kevin Castle was going to drop back down to welterweight. So this is a fun fight. Um, Kevin Gaslam has the resume. So if you beat him, he's a name and he has, and he fought dudes. So now it just builds it up. Cause again, his resume starts with uh, Neil Magley. Now you beat Jeff Neal. Now, if you could beat Kevin Gaslam, and then you could get, let's say, you fight Kobe, then you fight this, and then it's like the resumes starts to starts to add up and pile up, and you're like, oh my god, Shafkat for all these dudes, you know? And we go crazy about it because we're like, oh my gosh, and it means something. Um, Corey Sanagan, who talked to James Lynch, Corey's like, I'm not afraid. I want to fight. I want to fight the best of the best. So when his career is over, you look at Corey Sanagan's um, resume, you're like, oh my god, he fought Umar. Oh my goodness, he fought this guy. He fought Song Yudong. Oh, he fought Algernon. So, like, it just it goes a long way. And we, and we, you know, we've debated before, like, with the Habib, right? Habib is undefeated, but the resume, the resume is kind of lacking when you compare it to Charles Oliveira. Like, Charles Oliveira, but all he fought the best of the best. He fought killers. So, that was my whole thing about that. Just even want your thoughts about it because I, I think you kind of think the same way. And then, um, uh, this Saturday, Excited for Benoit St. Denise versus Bonfram. That fight rules. I'm just really excited for this fight. I don't know who's going to win. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a Benoit St. Denise guy. You know, I like that dude. But we'll see because Bonfram is no joke, especially that performance he had in Brazil. So 
just your thoughts about that fight, and thanks for whatever, for everything you do, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's a good fight. It's a good fight. I feel like there's a lot of recency bias with Bonfim, and I get it. Because that performance against Terrence McKinney, that knockout was, was nasty. It's one of the best knockouts of the year. But I think people still have that. It's weird because with Bonfim, it's like recency bias. But with Santini, it's like we're going back to the first fight he had in the UFC where he just took an absolute beating and the referee didn't stop the fight. Like, it's very strange how people look at him. But Santini, going back to 155, getting full camps, he's looked great. He's looked real good. So I like that fight a lot. I think one of my issues with the RDA fight is not the name. It's what comes from beating RDA. And it's cool to have a resume. But you also have to put into perspective when you look at it from a matchmaking side. What if Shafkat loses? What do we gain from this? And if RDA beats Shafkat, we don't gain much. As much as we love RDA... And as much as we would love to, what a cool story it would be if he goes out there and like gets back to a title fight. RDA got his shot against the up-and-comer. He got his shot. He fought Fazeev in a main event, and Fazeev deaded him. It dominated him. So he kind of had his shot against the young buck, and Fazeev got the name on the resume. And if for some reason RDA beat Shafkat, you're just killing off a contender and you're not getting much out of it. Now with Gastelum, he's over. Like, he's pretty over. And he's only 31. So I know, like, Gastelum in, like, fight years and UFC fan years seems like he's 44. He's only 31. He's coming off that fun fight with Chris Curtis. So I feel like even if Gastelum wins – I mean, look, we just had a question – of someone saying, if Gaslam beats Shafkat, is he a win away from a title fight? And I think that's how the UFC is viewing this. I don't know if he's one win away if he beats Shafkat, but he's right up there. He's right up there, and it's a guy that they could certainly push. So I just don't think you get that same oomph from RDA, if that makes sense, especially coming off of the, the Fazeev loss. And then I think the whole thing with Habib, too, was, yeah, the resume was – kind of sus in some respects, but also he wasn't going out there and finishing guys like Shafkat. Like Shafkat's just going out there and killing dudes. And I know Jeff Deal gave him, gave him some problems, and I told you that he would heading into that fight. But then Shafkat just goes out there and strangled him and put him out. Like Habib wasn't doing that. Habib wasn't doing that. And I think that's why some people were questioning all of that. And, and – you know, even Islam, to a certain respect, wasn't doing that either. But then he started just running off finishes. He just wasn't getting the top guys because he would get them and then the opponent would fall out and he would take somebody else and he would just go out there and kill him. So it's, it's just a little bit different. I didn't hate the RDA idea. I just didn't see the UFC wanting to put that together because you want to be able to come out of the other side with something. And I just didn't think you'd get that with RDA. Plus, on top of that, RDA was – I think he was already booked to fight Luke A on the July card or – I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. I just feel like Gaslin's the better choice in this situation. Plus, there were so many other guys in play at the time. Law was still in play. There were, there were other fighters in play. And of all the fighters that were in play that made sense for Shafkat, I just didn't feel like RDA was one of them. But now that we see where this is, Gaslam's a good pick. I like it. Four Corner Sports, what's up?
Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning. Um, so I wanted to talk about a couple of things. Um, one is no one's talking about the co-main event. I think the co-main event rules with uh, Grant Dawson and um, what's it called? Ismagulov. I think that's a very high-level co-main event. Um, I don't think it's the penultimate fight that AK would call. But I just think that um, it's very interesting to see just because, you know, if you see, um, what's it called? What's it called? Demir Ismagulov's resume compares to Grant Dawson. It's night and day. But it's very. I'm just curious to see how Grant Dawson is going to fight. I don't know who would you favor in this matchup. But if you look at Ismagulov's resume, um, he lost to Sarukian, defeated um, uh, Katsusa Latse, who's also fighting on this card, defeated Alves, Thiago Moises, Joel Alvarez, um, Alex Georgis, if, if I could pronounce his name correctly. And so he's so far he's five and one in in the UFC. And then Grant Dawson, I mean his fight. I mean he had a draw against um, Ricky Glenn, but I remember if if memory serves correctly, didn't Ricky Glenn had like a ten eight round in like round two or or round Great. three? What was it? Just the third round. The third round, yeah. And it, I think that was the same round that he. What's it called? Glenn ended like screaming at the round, saying, "Look at him! You know he's not getting up," or something like that. I think that's how it resulted into that draw. But um. What was it? Uh, Dawson has wins over Madsen, Gordon, Leonardo Santos, uh, Nad Narami, Derek Minner, Mike Trezano, Juliana Rosa, um, and then Adrian Diaz in the Contender Series. So I just feel like this might be a a, a nice test to see where is this, uh, Grant Dawson is going to be at against Ismagulov and if he could contend with the killers that happened at, at late at lightweight. Um, another fight I'm interested in is. Um, Michael Morales versus Max Griffin. Um, partially because, you know, um, me and Michael me and Michael Morales, what's it called, share the same ethnic background. And I'm interested to see, you know, what kind of style fight we're going to see from Morales because he hasn't been um, in the UFC. He hasn't fought in the UFC in, I think, what is it, a year and some change? So I'm interested to see him about that. And last time we saw Max Griffin, Max Griffin actually looked re- really um, good in his fight. And I think he had the knockout. And... Lastly, is uh, the thing that came up on the UFC page. It was it, the UFC ended up putting out on this day, uh, what was I think like a day or two ago, Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. To me, that's one of my favorite fights. Um, what's it called during the pandemic? Um, I feel like it's easily top three most underrated fights that people don't, don't ever talk about. I think for me, Dan Hooker hasn't been the same since you know the beating that he got from uh, Dustin Poirier. And I feel like if I had to name my three, you know, uh, most underrated fights um, during the pandemic era, it would be Dan Hooker, Dustin Poirier, Mason Jones, Mike Davis, and then um, what's it called? Dominic Reyes, Yuri Prohashka. I would like to hear if if you have like a top three list, but that's all I have. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, that's a pretty good list right there. That's a pretty good list right there. Yeah, Poirier Hooker is a great fight. Doesn't get def- definitely doesn't get mentioned enough. Definitely doesn't get mentioned enough. Yeah, I, I like the Morales Griffin matchmaking. I I mean, if you're looking at it from like a betting perspective, like we like what we see from Michael Morales, but it just seems really risky to lay minus two fifty on him against uh, the wily vet in Max Griffin, who usually performs in these spots where he's overlooked and people feel like he's just going to get run over. And that's what Max Griffin kind of has his best performances and gets a highlight reel. So. Yeah, it's a good fight. It's a good test for Morales, and let's see what he can do.
let's see what he could do. I know he's one of the prospects in the sport that people are very, very high on, but he is young. Sometimes you have to go in there and take that that vet lesson, so to speak, and this could be it. Or Morales just goes in and runs backs over. I don't know. But I like the fight. I'm intrigued by it. The Dawson is Bagula fight, like on paper, should be talked about more. But I kind of understand why it's flying under the radar. There's a, there's a couple – there's questions here. One is how motivated is Demirz Magulov right now? Because Demirz Magulov lost to Armin Sarukian, and then he retired. And then a few days later said, well, I only got one fight left in my deal, so I'm going to go ahead and fight that fight. Like how motivated is this guy? Is this just I'm going to fulfill my obligation and be done? Or is this, you know what, I'm coming back. Like I'm going to fight out my deal – and then I'm going to get a new deal. I'm going to make a run. Like, if we get that guy, then I'm more intrigued in this, with this fight. I just don't know if that's what we're getting. I'm surprised as Magulov is the favorite, if we're being honest. I know he's really good. I think his, his striking is better than Grant Dawson's, but not by much. And I think Dawson on the ground is going to give Magulov some problems. Because if you think Armin Sarukian is a pain in the ass down there, Grant Dawson's just as big, if not more. Because uh, he's so opportunistic with his grappling, and if he gets if he gets Demir in a tough spot, Demir's gonna be in trouble. Like he's just going to be. So that's my question on the Demir side. My question on the Grant Dawson side is: Can he make the weight? Can he make the weight? Because I know for a fact that the Mark Matson side of the equation after that fight, they were pissed about the weight miss, and the fight went on, and you can't really blame. And you can't really blame anybody because you guys agreed to the fight, but they were pissed and they felt it made a huge difference in that fight. I don't think it really did, but I get where they're coming from. Dawson has to make weight. He has to. If he doesn't, it's a problem. I don't know how that dude fought at 145. I have no friggin' idea. But he's going to go in there and he's going to make weight and he's got to perform. I think people just have questions about Grant, and that's one of them. Can he make 155 or 156? I've been high on Grant Dawson since he was like a 3-0 pro. Dude has it. Like, he's had it all along. It's just the little things, the little hurdles. Can he get over them? And if he can, he's going to be a player in this division. No doubt about it. But I think that's why it's falling under the radar. Just There's questions on both sides. Can Grant make the weight? And is Ismagulov super motivated to win this fight? I think that's why it's kind of sneaking under the radar. I love the fight. But I, I just hope we're getting a fully motivated Demirs Magulov who is like, you know what? I can retire after all. I'm going to fight on my deal and get a new one. I'm going to make a run at this division. If we get that guy, this fight's going to be incredible. If we don't, then I think Grant Dawson's going to just smush him and tap him. Uh, let's go to one Toro. What's up, one Toro? Don't hear anything. Um, try again. We'll get you back in. Let's go to Daniel. Daniel, good morning. Hey, Mike. Good morning to you. Uh, just wanted to talk about this main event here this week. It just feels like a matchup that surprised a lot of people, uh, being such a big jump up for a boost and a step down here for Strickland in the rankings. 
Um, it, it just seems like the UFC are really trying to push a boost here. Uh, just curious what you think or who you think wins this weekend and uh, what you think the ceiling is for a boost. Thanks, Mike. This is such a weird fight. I don't, like, I don't know what happened. Like, I think I'm more intrigued with the aftermath of this fight than the actual fight itself. Because if, if Maga Madoff goes out there and just melts Sean Strickland in the first round, which could happen, like, what happens? How much of a push does he get? How much will people care? I don't know. Like, I don't know what, how big of a gain he gets from this. You know what I mean? I, I just don't know. So I, I think, like, just kind of in the aftermath, this is more of an interesting aftermath fight than an actual fight. Maga Madoff has th- – this is one of those fights where if, it get, if, we get a, if we get a finish in the first half of the fight, it's coming from Maga Madoff. There's no doubt about it. But obviously, the longer this fight goes, it favors Sean Strickland. He's got the main event experience. He just will chip away. He will just do Sean Strickland-type things and frustrate you and wear you out. He's very good at that. I yeah. I'm trying to look over the over unders my over three and a half to my this fight's going to the championship rounds for sure, in my opinion. If it does, this this screams Sean Strickland decision to me, but maybe Maga Madoff lands the big shot. I don't know. I just don't know how big of a push he gets from this. And I think I'm 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 intrigued by it. So I, I, it's kind of just a fancy answer. I don't really know how to answer it, but I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Dude's good. Just beating Dustin Stoltzfus and then getting a ranked guy who, in a main event in your second UFC fight, is pretty wild. We don't see a lot of leaps like this. And then on the, the other side, we get, you know, Ikram Alaskarov had one fight in the UFC, beat Phil Haas, and now he's getting a main card spot with Paulo Costa. At least that's what the UFC is trying to do. Again, middleweight's interesting. They're, they're trying to, to, to bring some players up. You got a couple. Alice Garoff won. Brandon Allen's winning fights like crazy. Roman Delize's had a nice stretch as of late. Magomedov could be another one. We'll see what happens. Panda, hello. And, uh, all right. Let's go to, uh, Moran. Moran, are you there? You just got to unmute. Hello? Hello, Moran. How are you? I'm good. You okay? I'm okay. I can hear you good. That's good. My question was, if Sean win on Saturday, who is uh, then going to take Sean or Whitaker to Australia? To fight Izzy? Yeah. I would say, I mean, if Sean wins and he doesn't take a lot of damage, he'll be in the driver's seat. But then we just have to wait and see what happens the following week. Now, if Robert Whitaker just goes out and steamrolls Drickus Duplessis and takes no damage and he's ready to go to turn around two months later, then I think Whitaker will get the shot. 
But if that fight ends up being more of a war than a lot of people think it could be, Strickland could get the shot. So I think Strickland is definitely in play here. Will he be the guy? We have to wait and see. But if he wins, he's in the driver's seat. There's no doubt about it. You got to get somebody in there with Izzy. And it seems like he would be the front runner. And they just have to wait and see. Now, DDP knocks. If DDP just goes out there and melts Robert Whitaker, I don't think a lot of people are given much of a chance or credence to that idea. But if he does, he'll be the first choice. There's no doubt about it. I would say Whitaker is the second choice. And if those two just beat the shit out of each other for 15 minutes and neither of them can turn around, then I think they're okay with Sean Strickland getting the shot. Just more for the build. More for the build. But if Strickland loses this fight Saturday, he, he's out of the. He's probably out of the mix for the foreseeable future. Uh, one tour, do we have you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How are you, Mike? Good. How are you? Okay. So my question was, um, how do you feel um, about Ilya Zaporia, and what do you see his his career projecting in the near future, and what do you think should be next for him? Um, as far as title shot or his next opponent. And my second question is, how do you think a PFL-UFC crossover would work um, if it were to work and if Dana was actually open for it to working between Francis Ngannou and John Jones? Thank you. Have a wonderful day. I mean, it would benefit everybody. Honestly, if they just did that fight, like just do that fight. Now, I could see PFL just being like, oh, no, we need to be mentioned in every single situation. We're the number two promotion, damn it. Give us our shine. While the UFC is going to be like, no, it's our production. Like, we're doing it. We'll mention PFL. We'll call Francis Gano a PFL fighter. But this isn't going to be in the smart cage. And I think PFL, honestly, I think PFL would be like, no, 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 no. This is happening in the smart cage or it's not happening at all. And the UFC will be like, eh. Okay, it's just not going to happen then. It would just be one of those things where it's a UFC card. PFL would get a little rub. I don't think we'd see a lot of crossover because why would you? I mean, like if you did like Ngannou, like Jones versus Ngannou and then you just paired off all the champions, like the UFC would kill the PFL. Like this wouldn't even be – like this would not be competitive at all. So – this would be a UFC card. PFL would get a little tiny rub. It might even just be the one fight if they were to do it. But this would be a full-on UFC production. UFC so-and-so, Jones versus Ngannou, under the UFC banner. PFL would get some mentions and get a little piece of the pie. And that's it. That, that, that's how it would work. I just don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen. And it's not going to happen unless ESPN comes forward and says, this is what we want. Let's get in a room and try to figure this out. And I just don't see that happening. They don't need, like, we all want to see it, and it makes sense to do it, but the UFC doesn't need to do it. They don't need to. They're making so much money. They don't need to do this. So there's no upside, really, to the UFC outside of just some extra pay-per-view. It would be a huge fight, but... The UFC is going to have tremendous upside whether the fight happens or not. So just don't see it happening. Ilya Tapori is going to be a star in the sport. The UFC needs to go to Spain. He needs to go and be the main event. I don't think it's going to happen by the next time he fights. His next fight's a title shot. 
Next fight, Sasha. I know everyone's saying, oh, no, 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 he's got to fight Max Holloway first. No, he doesn't. He does not need to fight Max Holloway first. The only way I would accept and be okay and, and pumped for a Max Holloway fight is in two different, two different roads we could take. One, if Volkanovski beats Jair, and this is all is the same, if Volk just kills Jair Rodriguez next Saturday, which I don't think is going to happen, and then gets the Makachev fight, you do, you pull Max from the zombie fight, and you do Ilya versus Max interim title fight. Then I would be like somewhat okay with it. Still not op- totally okay with it. The only other time I'd want to see that fight is if Ilya becomes the undisputed UFC featherweight champion and he defends the title against Max. Other than that, I have no interest in the fight. I mean, it's a cool matchup, but I want to see Ilya fight for the belt. I want to see him fight for the title. I want to see him fight Alexander Volkanovsky. This is what Volk has wanted for a couple of years since winning the title. We need people to emerge as contenders. And guess what? You got one in Yair because they did an interim title fight, and now you have another one. And one that's a very interesting matchup and one that people are going to give a shit about because Ilya got over on Saturday and continues to do so. And he's going to be a star. This guy is going could be a star for your company. And he's going to be around for a while at a super high level. So if Volk beats Jair, I don't want the Islam fight. Let Islam fight Oliveira or whoever. Fight lightweights. Win two or three more. Volk win two or three more. If you both are successful sometime in 2024, maybe the end of the year, sure, we can run it back. There is no need to run this fight back right now. Volk wants contenders. He's got one. He beat Jair, go fight Ilya Teporia. That fight rules. I want to see it. I think Ilya's that good. Give the man a title shot. And I'm with Ilya. I'm with that dude. Don't fight anybody unless it's a title fight. Sit and wait. Go right ahead. Dude's living life right now. He is living the dream. He's making money outside of the octagon. He's going to have a ton of sponsors coming his way. Dude's going to be just fine sitting on the sidelines. I think Volk and Yair are going to have a war. I cannot wait for that fight next Saturday. I'm picking Volk to win, but I don't think it's a fight where Volk's going to be like, I'm coming back to in three months. I don't think it happens. I think we see Volk end of the year. Give me Volk, Ilya Taporia for the title at the end of the year. Let's do it. That's what I want to see. Panda, hello. My man, Mike, how are you? Good, how are you? Wouldn't be a heck of a morning without the technical difficulties, but I'll be quick. Um, I want to address the elephant in the room real quick with Tough. Like, are we ever going to get this fight, Mike? Is McGregor Chandler ever going to happen, or are we going to get some type of matchmaking there? Uh, number two, I'm going to take you to this card, of course, and ask you about a fight maybe we haven't talked about yet. The Battle of the Avs, as Jed Mishu mentioned on No Bets Bard. Blagany Ivanov versus Alexander Romanov. What a fall from the heavens for Alexander. Does, does he get cut if he loses this fight, Mike? Thank you for having me. Does he get cut? Um, I would say no, but I think it's going to kind of depend on what dude shows up. And I think we need to – I think it all starts tomorrow when he steps on that scale because – 
he looked uh he looked rough. He looked rough before that last fight. He looked not in shape. It looked like he just kind of showed up for a payday. But the fight before that, like before the Chase Sherman fight or whatever, and even um the fight with Marcin Tibora, dude looked shredded, looked he lost some weight, looked in great shape. And he got Salt Lake City in that fight. I still think that fight should have been a draw, but then he bounced back, and that was terrible. He just didn't look good. So I'm curious to see what he looks like on the scale. Is he in better shape? Is he still a little soft like he looked in the last fight? I don't know. If that's the case, this is not going to be a good night for him. But maybe we get the, the ripped-up Romanov who's just chucking dudes around and getting quick finishes. That is gonna be a that is a heavy that is a heavyweight heavyweighty heavyweight fight if there ever was one and we'll see what happens and as far as McGregor and Chandler goes I'm gonna just kind of stick on the same place that I have been for a while I feel like this I feel like there's a date in play I feel like both guys are aware of a fight being in play. I don't know if it's signed, sealed, delivered, but I think they have a date in mind. I do feel like it's going to be, whether it is signed, sealed, or delivered or not, by the end of this season, I think they're going to announce the fight. So I'm cautiously optimistic that it happens. Will it happen before the end of the year? I don't know. Will they just be like, fuck it, let's just wait till UFC 300? Sure. But ultimately, I do think somehow, some way, this fight does get put together and it does happen. And maybe that's just the, the, the positivity in me, but as of right now, I still feel like, yes, we'll see it. That's just a matter of when Eric. Hello. What's up, man? I'm excited for the Volkanovski and Yair fight too. And I agree with you. Deporia needs to fight for the title. He doesn't need to fight Max. I, I agree. Totally agree with you. Deporia is going to be the next champion. Thanks. Yeah, and this is my issue with the Arnold Allen fight. I said as soon as they as soon as we confirmed the Holloway Arnold Allen fight, I was like, on paper the fight's gonna be fun and great, yay! Like I'm two high level guys fight fist fighting each other, like I'm in. But when we add stakes and what it means, I just don't want Max to be the contender killer. And I'm not saying like I would pick Max to beat Ilya Taporia, but there would be pot, like some, some pause there. And when you have a guy like Ilya who could be a star and acts as such, I just feel like you just got to just gotta give it to him. Just give it to him. And we just don't know like how long we're going to have Volk for. We just don't know at this point. Because Volk ain't a spring chicken. How old is he? Let me just pull it up real quick. I, he's just, he, I mean, he's in his, is he 35? 34. He'll be 35 in September. Dude's making money. He's got a family. He's got all these other things outside of fighting. I don't think he wants to fight till he's 40. I don't. I think there's a certain, I think there's probably an end game for him at some point. He's the best fucking fighter in the world. He gave Islam Makachev a hell of a fight. I think winning that second belt means something to him. And I think if he fought Makachev one more time, 
I think he would kind of look at being like, look, I've made some, a lot of good money. And I think the fact that he wants to be active is part of the competitive nature. But I think the other part of it is, dude, I'm going to be 35 in a couple of months. Like the shelf life in this sport is not long. And I don't want to be one of those guys that's just clinging on at the end when I'm not the same dude anymore. So I think he's just trying to stockpile those paychecks, fight as often as he can, and then when he leaves, he sets himself up nice and he can live the retired life with lots of money and his family and his cooking shows. And dude's going to be a success anywhere. Whatever he decides to do, he's going to be a success. So I just don't know how long we have Volk. I don't know how long we have him. Two years, three tops, I would guess. And this is just my opinion just because I know how much his family means to him and how much his other things that he's doing means to him. And if we don't get, if we live in a world where I don't get to see Volkanovsky versus Ilya Taporia, I think I would be very, very sad about that. But so just give Taporia the freaking title fight. Let's go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Let's go to Chidozi. Hopefully I got that right. What's Hello. up, man? That image is sick. I love the yeah. palm tree and the, the gear. And you, we even got, what's that? Is that Fiji water? I mean, this is, this is A-plus stuff. Yeah, I designed it though. Very nice. I'm from Nigeria. I'm I'm speaking from Nigeria. That's awesome, man. What's on your mind? Yeah. Um, what do you have to say about the ongoing face-off going between um John Jones and Francis Ngannou? Um, I mean, look, I think it's the fight we all want to see, but I think we're all sort of in a position where we just have to live in a world where it ain't going to happen. I just don't know if you're going to get everybody on board to, to co-promote that fight. UFC doesn't need to do it. So I, I ultimately it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Stinks to say it. It was all right there. It's all right there. It's been there for two years. It was there for two years before Francis left and they couldn't get it done. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. Let's go to the Octagon Obsessed. What's up, Octagon Obsessed? How are you? Hey, I'm great, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, um, so this is somewhat random, um, but a couple weeks ago, 
you had mentioned that one of your favorite fights of all time was Robbie Lawler versus Carlos Condit. And you had mentioned that you thought Carlos Condit won the fight. I watched that fight live and I didn't remember it being, I remembered it being close. And I didn't remember thinking uh, it was a robbery or I thought Carlos Condit won. I rewatched the fight last night and I think it's easier to argue that Carlos Condit won four out of the five rounds than it is to argue that Robbie Lawler won three. Um, you know, I, I, I just wanted to let you know, I agree with you. I think Carlos Condit was robbed of being a UFC welterweight champion. And, um, you know, I really can't think of another title fight that I disagree with the decision more after rewatching the fight again. Uh, that's all I have. Thanks, Mike. Yep. We had, we were talking earlier about underappreciated fights that that is number one with the bullet. That fight is number one with a bullet. Because, and the main reason is, everyone puts the Lawler-Roy McDonald fight on this pedestal as if it's the greatest fight of all time. I honestly think the Condit fight's better. I think it's a better fight. I think there's that, obviously that moment, they started to go to war like later on into the fight and they had that cool-ass face-off all banged up after the fourth round before Robbie got him out of there in the fifth, like, it's a good fight, but it starts kind of slow and then it builds up. But like Lawler Condit is just high level shit from start to finish. And Lawler, that fifth round is inc- it's just unfriggin' believable. That's like that's my favorite fight and probably the best round ever. That fifth round. I highly implore you. I know there's a lot of like newer fans. Someone asked earlier, like, you know, I'm kind of a casual fan. How do I become less of that? You need to go back and watch some of these old classics and you need to watch that fight. That is high level MMA with the stakes as high as they can be. Robbie Lawler thinking he's down at worst. It's in his mind. It's two, two. He needs to just let everything go. And he comes out like a crazy person, but Condit returns and both fighters were never the same after that fight. Both fighters are never the same after that one. Like Robbie Lawler still performed in the Conda fight after the Rory fight, but both guys are never the same after that one. And the fact that is the fact that we can't call Carlos Condit a one-time undisputed UFC champion, especially after rewatching that fight a million times, it just hurts my soul. It hurts my feelings a little bit. Because Carlos Condit should have won the title that night in one of the best fights I've ever seen. But yes, that is an underappreciated classic. Good for you for going back and watching. I did see your thread. And you're right. You can make a better case that Carlos Condit won four rounds than Robbie winning three. 100%. What a fucking fight. That deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, too. Uh, let's go to Terrence. Perhaps. The Wheel of Doom is spinning, though. The connecting Wheel of Doom. Not getting you, Terrence. Not getting you. I'm looking at the comments right now. (laughs) Who is this frog? 
there's this frog account that just like keeps putting out graphics that nobody likes. It's no attention, but okay. Better times with Demir. Demir's levels above Dawson striking. He couldn't move out of the way of Jared Gordon's left hook. Not biased. The man is really good. He should have never been an underdog against McKinney. Dawson is not Sarukian. He will not be able to handle Demir the same. Look, I could be wrong, man, but look, I, like I said, I think Demir is a better striker. I think Dawson's striking is getting better. And Do- like I've been watching Dawson fight his, his entire career. This dude is a suffocating son of a bitch. And he's more opportunistic with his grappling than Armin is. And I think everyone at this point knows how high I am on Armin Sarukian. Uh, Parlay MA, Volk versus Ortega was fight of the year 2021 for sure. That's a great point for the uh, pandemic era fights. That was a good one, especially the, uh, when Ortega had him in trouble. Terrence, do we have you? Yep. Hey, I don't know what happened last time. I appreciate you bring me back in oh good um so i was calling i always like to talk about women fights because a lot of people talk about it um and seeing sean o'malley's like take on like oh there should be a separate league and stuff like that which i think is stupid um i was calling more or less about the 145 division i know everybody thinks it's dead and i know it's a hot take but i don't think it's dead I would prefer if they got rid of it to make a 105 division. I've been saying that forever. However, they put it back up, and I think what's going to happen is if Holly wins, um, they're going to have her go back to the uh, beginning of the division and have her either fight GDR um, in her return or if Misha wins her next fight, they'll get their rematch. So I think Holly's next fight, if she wins, will be a part two for the 145 belt, and then Pennington will fight whomever is at 135, and that'll 145 will kind of become like a BMF type division for the women's division. Um, that's my thoughts, and also wanted to hear your thoughts on that, and your thoughts on Sean saying that about the women's division. That's it. Yeah, Sean just says not intelligent things a lot, and that's kind of one of them. I would like to see them. I'm not saying separate leagues. What I'm saying is like they should do a card once a year where it's just an all women's card. I would like to, I, I think that'd be pretty cool. I think that'd be a pretty cool thing. doesn't have to be like a 14 fight card. Do like a seven, eight fight card. and just do all women. Like that'd be more intriguing than some of the apex fight night garbage we get. Just do something different. Like have some fun, shine a light on them. And it doesn't have to like, we don't have to do three title fights. You know, throw one title fight up there. But then just do, like, names you're trying to build. Like, fun fighters. Like, do that. Like, I don't... You don't need to do... The separate league thing is stupid. But it would be cool if, like, once a year they did that. And I know they were thinking about doing that. Like, that San Antonio card. There were talks about doing an all-women's card. There were talks about that. It didn't end up happening... But there were talks about doing that. And I would like to see the UFC do that. I think that'd be a, a pretty cool thing. We just do something interesting and fun and we shine a light on, on women's MMA in a, in a different way. Wouldn't do it like multiple times, but once a year, I think it'd be pretty damn cool. The feather, Dude, featherweight's done. I'm sorry. Like, it's just done. It's... What I'm saying... <sighs> 
This is done. You have, like, you have, you don't even have a bantamweight division right now. You barely have a bantamweight division. And we have, like, four fighters that could fight at 145. It's just, we don't need it. What they should do, and this is what I've been advocating for a while, let's just do, like, a women's, you can call whatever you want, but let's do, like, a women's heavyweight division. 135, like, 135 to 146. Just do like one division. They could fight however they want. And it could just be like one title. They could all fight at 146 if they want. Let's just do like a women's heavyweight division. Then we can mix them all up and do it that way. But there's just no... Why do... Like, I know Holly Holm, they want to give her a title fight. And if she wins her next fight, like they could just give her one anyways. So I just think it's done. And I know we're getting a featherweight fight Saturday, but it wasn't supposed to be that way. Carol Host is taking the fight on short notice, so they're making it 145. I think Chelsea Chandler, Norma Dumont is going to be a 45 fight as well, but I think that's going to be the last one, unless it's like a situation like we're getting on Saturday where fighter comes in and takes a fight on like a couple weeks' notice, and they just agree to do it at the higher weight, which I don't mind, but... Yeah, I just think this division's kind of cooked, man. Wow, so we have we have AK Lee at MA fighting, and now we're gonna bring in RK Lee. RK, are you there? Hi Mike. Uh, I'm from India. How are you? Uh yeah, yeah. Uh what do you think about uh, Colby Covington title shot fight? Uh, he's deserving or not? I mean, look, I think at this point in 2023, we, uh, we strike the word deserves from our vocabulary. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because think about where we were three months ago. Leon Edwards fighting Kamara Usman. Colby just pops up out of nowhere after a year away. Weighs in, everyone goes crazy, starts doing the media rounds after. Dana declares him next in line. What was our response to that? Wait a minute. We're really going to make this fight when Jorge Mazadal is about to fight Gilbert Burns? We could do Leon versus Jorge? Like, we were going to give Mazadal the title shot if he beat Gilbert Burns. We were going to give it to Mazadal who Colby beat in a one-sided fashion. This division is just kind of weird. This is why, like, I'm glad we have the Shafkots. This is why I'm glad we have guys like Bilal coming up and some of these other dudes, Jack Della Maddalena. Like, this division is going to look way different in, like, two years, but we need some time to build it. Ian Gary's another one, and the list goes on and on. But right now, I think Colby makes sense. Like, I think it just makes sense with where this division is right now. They're like, they're already there. So when I say it makes sense, we're living in a world where Dane has already said Colby's next. This is the world. This is the fight we're getting. Nothing else is going to happen. This is the one. So Colby's going to get a shot. The way it looks right now, Bilal is in a much better spot than I thought he was with Hamzat maybe going up to 185, which is kind of what I hope to see. Excuse me. 
And I think the more this Connor Chandler fight gets delayed, the better it is for Bilal too. So I think we're going to get a little more of a, at least in most people's eyes, like a meritocratic solution to this division. But if Colby wins the belt, he could just take this in a whole different direction. You can hate Colby all you want. You can love Colby all you want. You can shit on his fighting style. You can shit on the gimmick. But one thing Colby is very good at is he is a very good prize fighter. He's a very good prize fighter. Taking the biggest names with the least amount of, with like the biggest names, biggest reward with the least amount of risk. Colby is exceptional at that. Which is why people have a hard time with him getting a title shot. But he's a great prize fighter. The guy gets it in that aspect, whether he deserves it or not. Uh, we'll take a couple more comments. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, 47AKs. I believe most people and fighters don't give Hamza Chimaev enough credit in his fights. And the many has been gone for, a, and the man has been gone for a hot minute. People should really pay attention to that. Hamza's an animal, man. I don't know if anyone's disres- not giving him enough credit. I think people just want to see the man fight. I think most people have touted Hamzat as a future champion if he can actually get in there and fight. But this is a dude that's fighting all the time, and now it's like once a year. It's not what we were hoping for. But I don't think anyone's questioning the man's skills. And then, yeah, yeah. Why are they disrespecting my man Shavka with this Kelvin matchup? You think this is a good matchup, or should he have gotten a better one that leads to a title fight? I, I talked about this earlier. This is the fight to make. This is the fight to make. Makes sense. He's not going to fight. The only fight that would make any sense is Bilal or Usman. Usman would be the one, but Usman's not going to fight Shafgat. He's not going to do it. Everyone sees Shafgat versus Hamza. That fight ain't going to happen anytime soon. Bilal's not going to take that fight right now because why the hell would he? Shafgat has to fight backwards. And the best name he can get, and I think the most interesting stylistic matchup of the guys who are behind him right now, that's available is Kelvin Gastelum. So I think it makes tons of sense. I, lo- I like the matchup. I think this is, I think Kelvin deserves a lot of credit for being like, all right, you want to welcome me back to welterweight? Here I am. And now it's going to happen. So. Cool. I like it. All right. We are done. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. We'll be back tomorrow morning. We'll do it again. 10 a.m. Eastern. It'll be uh, on the eve of UFC Vegas 76. Weigh-ins are, eh, I don't know if they'll be going on at the time, but they might be. And if they are, we'll, we'll keep you posted. Last Friday's show was insane because we got the Rose Namajunas, Men and Fioro news that we confirmed basically live on the show. And that kind of sent things into a tailspin. So you never know what's going to happen on the Friday show. Plus, it's a free-for-all Friday. We can talk about anything. MMA and beyond. And don't forget BTL. 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. New York Rick versus Jed. We're going to talk about... It's an eclectic uh, group of topics. The good, the weird, the ugly... And fights coming up this weekend. So thank you all very much. Have a great rest of your Thursday. And as always, 
Have a heck of a morning, everybody. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.